You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Selena Trepp. Selena, thanks so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me. Selena, we're talking on October 13th in 2021 uh, here in Chicago. Uh, we're going to talk about your, your work and its various forms, but I, I feel like I should begin by just asking how, how was the last year, uh, essentially? How did, how did that impact your, your work? Um, you know, it was a complex year. It impacted my work in the sense that I was going to have a year where I, I had a lot of performances planned. I had a new piece that premiered at the end of 2019. And so everything was basically canceled. But in another way, that opened up a lot of other avenues, and I ended up being extremely productive in my studio all year. And I wasn't teaching in person, but I was teaching remotely, which meant that I was actually spent way more time in my studio than normal. And it was actually, in a lot of ways, a good year, I think, as far as sort of my work is concerned, my thinking is concerned, moving forward. But on other levels, of course, really difficult. So I have a child, and I was at home with that child as well, part-time. Luckily, my partner is somebody who's very involved in our child's life, so we were able to share that responsibility. Um, I miss my family and my friends and just the sort of political instability and then the illness, disease, people dying, all that was very depressing. Yeah, it 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 was. It certainly was, um, and and still is. Really, you know, yeah, uh, it's so, so upsetting and, and, and all around. Uh, uh, but you know, in, in a way, that's kind of interesting, an interesting context for artists to operate in. I, of course, I've interviewed a lot of artists, and everybody, yeah, has had such different, but um, yeah, but powerful experiences in this in this time. So you said it changed your work, and maybe we should talk about that. Um, talk about the the project, doing it with love. The, in Lubbock, Texas, or, or we could start with Woven, uh, a more recent uh, project, to talk about um, what you've made. Which yeah. one should we start with? Yeah. Let's talk about Woven, I think, first. Okay. Because it, that, in a way, was very directly influenced by the pandemic. Woven was a, is a, an animation, a five-minute animation that is visual music that was created with, as part of Spectralina, which is my collaboration with Dan Bitney, which is an audiovisual band. And we're really dedicated to thinking about visual music and the relationship between sound and image and how that can become, image can operate as sound and sound can operate as image. And so we were commissioned by the city of Chicago to create a projection that was going to be projected onto the Merchandise Mart, which is a two-and-a-half-acre um, projection surface in downtown Chicago, a facade of a giant building. That, 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 that's enormous. That, that, that's, that's, I've never heard of a, a surface so large for projecting, right? That's just enormous. It's crazy. Yeah, so conceptually, like one pixel is 10 feet on that surface. So that in wow. itself is very hard to think about. And then it's a complicated surface because it's a, it's a facade of a building with lots of windows, and the windows are cut out, so you don't, you're basically projecting onto a grid. Um, and people see it from across the river. So it's, it's a really interesting thing. There's speakers along the, the, the river, and so the sound can be heard. And so we were actually supposed to do this in 2020, and we were commissioned at the end of 2019. We got the commission. We would have had five months to do it, which is not a very long time for animation the way that I work. And so I was started 2020 
basically working day and night trying to make sure that I could finish this piece on time. And then I think it must have been in April, they said, oh, we're not doing it this year. You have another year to work on it. And then that really changed how I was working because I was already working hand-drawn, meaning marker on paper. So that's about 5,000 drawings for that amount of time. But I was going to use some digital shortcuts. And once I knew I had an extra year, I decided to just do it strictly hand-drawn. So everything is marker on wow. paper. So, 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 so yeah. I want to go I want to just stop you there. We'll go on. But that's very powerful. And, and the idea of, of hand-drawing all of that over the pandemic was something, I mean, nobody knew how long the pandemic would last, but, but you saw right away that there was going to be time for something like that, whereas otherwise that, that just wouldn't have been possible probably, right? Yeah, no, it wouldn't have been possible, no way. Um, yeah, you know, when the pandemic started, my instinct, my initial response was actually like, mm, this is going to take five years, something, like this is going to impact us for a while. I just kind of knew it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad feeling about so, it. So let's talk about the, 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 the drawing process. I mean, I interrupted you in the middle of that, but then, but then go yeah. on. So what does that mean to, to, to hand draw it? How much, how much work is that? So, um, so you have to imagine like a light box, which is a, uh, a flexi box with, a, with light shining through, and then you ha I had a, a rendering, an architectural rendering of the facade on there that was on mm -hmm. a transparency. And then I put a piece of paper on it, and I draw frame by frame in 8.5 by 11 sheets. And it's full-colored, full-building. So it depended on the complexity, but usually it would take me about half an hour per page of just drawing. And then the next page, if you want it to move, if you want to have a lot of change in, in animation, you, so if you want it to move fast, you change a lot. If you want it to move slow, you change very little. If you don't want it to move at all, you redraw it, and then you create, it creates that kind of what's called the breathing line, where the line just slightly fluctuates, so it keeps on, remains alive. And so that's the process, and it's a very meditative process. I mean, for me, the one reason why, one of the big reasons why I choose to work in that way as opposed to working on the computer, because I could do the same thing, of course, drawing on the computer, which would be faster in the sense that I don't have to redraw the things that are static. Right. If you have a computer line, it just you can just copy and paste the static lines. But when you do it hand drawn completely, you have to redraw everything, every drawing, every frame. But for me, I realized that I can easily draw eight hours a day like this and feel great afterwards because it's a very meditative process and it doesn't it's not challenging physically in the sense that I have my workspace is set up in a way that is ergonomically very good, like a stand, a standing desk and so on. But if I do the same thing on the computer, I'm wrecked at the end of the day. And so just that in itself for me is a reason enough to choose that mode of working and say like it's a working that makes me, that is healthy as opposed to unhealthy. Right. Yeah, that's so interesting. So, um, and so go on. So then um, this, was, this was completed at some point in a way that was different than initially imagined. Um, and, and so how did, that, how did that work out when you saw it all come together? Well, we were really lucky that we were allowed. We, we were able to do test projections um, throughout the year. So I was able, after about four months of working on it, I was able to project it. And then I learned a lot because it, one of the difficulties about working in public spaces like that is that the space itself, of course, really affects the quality of the color or what you see. So this is in a downtown Chicago area where there's a lot of white around it. So that means, for example, blacks don't come out as black, but they're a dark brown. 
and just the callers respond very differently. Line works very differently. Speed works very differently at that scale. So every time I was able to see it, I could tweak and change it until finally, I guess, I want to say May this year, it was done. Um, and it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's a crazy thing to look at a architectural rendering for a year and then see the whole thing come alive, but also really see I think one of the strengths of the piece is the fact that it does feel, you really feel the hand in there. It feels extremely human, having this hand-drawn animation that sort of flickers and changes. And because of working hand-drawn as opposed to any other method, I work completely improvised, meaning that I have sort of a structure that is the music where I say, like, I want to hit these points or I want changes at certain points. But then what happens from point to point, I let myself go and I just kind of decide on the fly. And so that creates an extremely full experience visually because I'm really thinking about dynamics. I'm thinking about sort of the idea of an image creating affect or response, emotional response in a similar way as sound does through tone, dynamics, color. Those are all words that are shared between the two worlds, mm-hmm. music, and, music and, and, and visual art. And so I use those principles but in a very improvised way, in the same way as improvising musicians also work, which is a huge part of my practice as well, working with improvisers. So let's talk about that, the music, because, of course, there's, visually this is incredible, and I have more uh, questions to ask you about, about all of that. But along with this, as you're saying, there's also um, music. How, how is that projected and heard? Um, that's, that's what I'm curious about, too, how the music gets out in directional or, or, or not um, across the river, as you're saying, and, and also in front of the, the, so, the building. But across the river is where you're really seeing it. Yeah. So there's, in Chicago, they've, it's on the Riverwalk, which is a, a, new, a newish public space that Chicago created where they, in essence, rehab the river, which used to be sort of a non, non-used space, non-used public space, and now they've turned it into a series of parks and cultural venues. And this is right across from the Merchandise Mart, and there's speakers all along it. And so you hear it in all the speakers when it's played. And the, and uh, this, um, so, so I'll, go, I'll go on, yeah, I interrupted you. So you hear it in all the, in all the speakers. But also, as far as, like, Spectralina is concerned, Dan and I are concerned, the idea is definitely that you don't necessarily need to hear it, that the, the images carry the music just as much as the music carries the music. That's so interesting, yeah, because I, I, I saw it all visually. When I saw it on your, your website, it was, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, initially I saw it without sound. So, yeah, and, and it certainly worked that way. And, and, and as you're saying, the sound also carries it carries on its own. Um, to ask about the, just the projection of this, technically this seems like a kind of amazing feat to me. Is this many projectors or uh, yeah, how, is, how is that yeah. done? It, it seems like they such an extraordinary a, projection feat. It, it is totally technically crazy. It's 32 projectors that are across the river projected onto the building, and then it's everything is mapped completely, so none of the windows, like it only projects onto non-window space. And yeah. Onto non-window space. How, how, yep. how could that be? You're, you're, you're projecting onto a, bi- a building full of windows, and it looks like the light is running across the building. You, you're telling me it's mapped so carefully that all of those windows that are, that are black or white do not yep. have light on them at all? Yep. That's amazing. Exactly. I've never heard of that. And, that, and that's, of course, for, for uh, 
you know, uh, the people on the inside, right, who don't want colorful light flashing across their room all day. Exactly, and also probably the reflectiveness. So if you were to project onto glass, then that would reflect back out, which I could see create pro- creating problems. So this is a, this is a, that's quite a complex computer uh, program that's not only synchronizing all these projectors, but also on a giant building full of windows, it's, it's going around all the windows, essentially. Yeah, I mean, this is a permanent thing. They curate things on there. Like, they've been doing it, I think, for three years now. So there's oh, programs. Okay. It basically, I didn't have anything to do with that. They gave me, when I got the, when I got the commission, I got a, a book that they gave me of, like, the technical data of what I needed to pay attention to, and they also gave uh-huh. me the projection map so that I could work with that. So luckily, I didn't have anything to do with that other than oh, so understand it and also needing to take it into account conceptually. So that was like, for example, just thinking about what do you do with something like that? Because also another, a huge aspect of it is that the windows of the buildings, some, some, they're lit at some times, and they're lit different every night, which absolutely affects your, your piece, right? Because you have white lines or black lines coming through it. And so right. thinking about like those realities and thinking, oh, what would be something that could, be, that could work? in this like that that acknowledges the structure itself and so that's how we came up with the idea of woven and treating it as something treating the building as a loom in essence because it already has this warp and weft from the projection mapping where you've come in and out of the projection and so if it goes across the building you anytime that you have a window it's in essence in the weaving as if you were going in under another thread yeah, that's you understand so what I'm saying? I, I do, I do, I do. That's beautiful. Really, really interesting. Um, that's cool. Uh, well, congratulations so, on, on that project. I'm sorry, go on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah it's just. It's just uh, and I was just going to say that is kind of in general something that's super interesting to me in regards to working with um, public spaces and in spaces that are already sort of very defined really thinking about, like, well, what, do I, what can I do with this specific space? Like, what does this space need? What does this space ask for? And how can I add something in there that sort of transforms it in a way that acknowledges it, that plays with it, that works with it? Yeah, that makes sense. I, I love that. And, um, and so what's happening now? We could talk about, you know, another past project, or is there something you're working on now that will have a show somewhere yeah. else or another iteration of this? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm actually, I'm in an incredibly busy time. It's been like going out of the quiet of last year. This year has been just super, super busy. So right now I'm working on two other public projects. One that I'm super duper excited about is I was just um, working on a permanent installation for O'Hare International Airport, the um, International Terminal Arrival Hall. I was commissioned to do a piece that's going to be there for 25 years. And so that is wow. like very specifically really thinking about that space and then working on a film for that and making an animation that will be a stop-motion animation. Um, that will be that co- constantly projected for 25 years. That's how Yeah, that it's a, a video wall. It'll be a video wall that sort of when people walk down the corridor coming from the airplanes to customs, they will walk past that animation. Oh, that is cool. That's quite a that's quite a project, and that that will stay there permanently, or the video wall changes and has different things no, on it. No, it's going to be that piece. <laughs> wow, that's really exciting. So, that's amazing. Is, how- it's a, such a strange thing because I didn't really realize until I got that commission how that is very rare that you have something that actually stays. 
never thought yeah, about that. Yeah, that is that's right. It is, it is incredibly rare, and um, and also an incredible place to, uh, to 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 be right. I mean, literally um, mm-hmm. that airport, everybody everybody coming in. So um, so if we can talk briefly about that, what 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 do you have planned for there? So for that, I'm working in similar ideas. I mean, my first approach was definitely thinking about like, well, what does this place need, or what do the people need when they come out of the plane, and I'm. I'm from my, I'm from Switzerland originally, so I have a really intimate relationship with that arrival hall. I know it very well, and I know how it feels. And I was thinking about, well, when you come out of a plane from an international flight, usually you're tired. You're probably kind of either anxious because you have to go through customs and deal with all that stuff and luggage and being in a new place, or you're excited because you're coming home. But it's definitely not necessarily an easy walk or an easy transition to space of anxiety. And so I thought, okay, well, what I want my piece to do for the people who encounter it is I would like for it to be something that preps them to be able to deal with customs, sort of calm them down, bring them at ease, give them a little smile, wake them up, but not make them anxious. (laughs) And so I, I went from thinking about, well, okay, in behavioral therapy, when you deal with anxiety or anxiety, so that one way that you can deal with anxiety that's very effective is this principle of being able to sort of see the problem, identify the problem, and then transform it. And so I thought I'm going to do the same thing, but doing a stop motion that is a procession that walks the same direction as the people are walking, of these um, sculptures that in essence first are very sort of problematic, all in different kinds of ways, and then that becomes, then, then that becomes transformed by the end of the projection or of the screen as they exit the screen so that everybody who walks by, and it walks at about the same speed as people would walk by. And so what that would mean is that everybody would at least have one kind of transformation into something positive and also somehow magical, like something that would be delightful (laughs) Um, that they would be able to experience. Yeah, and, that's an experience uh, I'd, I'd like every day. I mean, that's, that is great. I love that, just that kind of walkthrough of that. And then it's based upon, I don't know if you know this aspect of my practice, which is kind of another aspect that's very important to my practice, is that in my studio practice, I've worked a lot amongst this principle. I work with what I have. And so in 2012, I decided to no longer bring any outside materials into my studio which means that all my animations and all my work is, in essence, always being recycled and reproduced. And I create these sculptures out of old sculptures and sort of these, kinetic, these pieces that are all, it's a language that's developed out of that um, ecologic and economic system of making do within the studio or an entropy. And so this, this film will also be probably the last film of that series. Yeah, that's, that's interesting and, and, and exciting. And, and when will that be in, installed, that last uh, project? So it's supposed O'Hara. to open in June, next June. But the only way to see it is actually to come into the airport. The public can't I go know. to that section. It's so, so that's actually something I'm discussing with them. That, that was like one of the things that I asked in my contract, that it should be accessible through a website. Right, right, that right. But seeing it and, and experience it sounds sounds wonderful. Yeah. Um, uh, so thanks so much for sharing this. I want to ask one more question, which is, what are you reading at the moment? I am currently reading 
I just started this, The Right to Sex, Feminism in the 21st Century by Namia Srinivasan. And this is a book that I was reading. I saw it in the newspaper and looked really great. Um, and it's sort of a, a re-looking at feminism as where we are now. Selena, thank you so much. I appreciate your work. And for, of course, the listeners, there's more here to, to, to research on the site. But Selena, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. I wish you well with your upcoming projects. Thank you so much for having me, Brainerd. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.